It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com, and sign up for my emails. We will uh, keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests and topics and important events. We are going to announce something. I think it's going to be on Friday that you're going to be very excited about. So be sure and uh, be ready for that. Sign up for my emails. You'll receive notification about that as well. Uh, so um, uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. We've got a lot going on today. There's a lot in the headlines. Uh, so we're going through some headlines in segments one and two. Segments three and four, we will be talking to two moms regarding this mandatory vaccination uh, piece of legislation that was, uh, it was introduced last Thursday. It will be heard in committee tomorrow. We are just seeing things really just uh, being pushed through here in Colorado. So we, we will be talking to Heather Laudenpera as well as Pam Long, and that'll be in segments three and four. I did reach out, want to have, you know, we want to have conversations about this. So I did reach out to all of the bill sponsors on this as well. And that would be, uh, let's see, it was on the Senate side, it was um, Senator Gonzalez and Senator Priola. And on the House side, it was Representative Mullica. Uh, did not hear back from Representative Mullica nor Senator Priola. Uh, Senator Gonzalez's office declined to come on the show. I did reach out to the Mayo Clinic, very well-respected um, uh, medical institution, to see if I could get somebody through their, uh, you know, their network to talk about why mandatory vaccinations might be important. And they declined as well. So I uh, wanted to let you know we are working on, on inviting people in for the conversation. So we will we'll talk about that important piece of legislation that's working its way through Colorado right now. I want to certainly say thank you to producer Steve. Steve, you do such a great job. Zach is doing an awesome job with the website and social media. Patty on research, 22 pages. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask, can we recognize Patty? She's basically taking all that's going on out there and kind of funnels it down a little bit because, you know, there's so much we need that that concentration going on behind the scenes, but 22 pages (laughs) doing your homework, but thank you to her. And then Keith, who is handling all of the SoundCloud stuff. I really appreciate that as well. To start off with our story of inspiration, I wanted to tell you a couple of things that I heard within the last 24 hours regarding Donald Trump. Now, yesterday you should go listen to the show. Powerful show. We had Jason with Graspin. He had been a former gang member He now works with kids. In fact, they'd had a big together meeting in the weekend with all these different gang members coming together. And uh, anyway, he's with uh, uh, GRASP, which is Gang Rescue and Support Project. And then my friend, uh, Pastor Christine Yubazera Coleman, who uh, survived the Rwandan uh, genocide. Uh, They were both in studio. It's a powerful show. A lot of people reached out and really appreciated it. 
But two stories about Donald Trump that I've just heard within the last 24 hours that I think should give you hope. As uh, as we see now that there was no uh, Russian collusion, that was all an illusion, uh, now we're seeing the Democrats want his tax returns. How about let's take a look at policy. And Pastor Christine said that Trump is the first president, Republican or Democrat, that uh, since the Rwandan genocide has uh, realized that as we have been sending money to Rwanda, it has been continuing to support this dictator. And it's not getting to the people. And Trump said, we're not doing that anymore. Pastor Christine has been to the White House, and she said this is the first American president that, that has really recognized the plight of everyday, ordinary Rwandans. And he's saying, we're not sending money over there to this dictator anymore. And I take great heart in that. And I think that we should realize that I think he cares about everyday, uh, regular people across the world. But, of course, he's focusing his job, his table here is is America. And he, I think, is working very hard to uh, to raise the bar for Every American out there, no matter what the descriptor is, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, gay, straight, man, woman, whatever. If you get an economy that is doing really well, it raises all those boats. So I thought that was a great story. Then last night I heard a story about him after uh, uh, Governor Ralph Northam of uh, Virginia had uh, come out and said that actually they would allow uh, live babies to be born. And then they would keep them comfortable until they decided what they were going to do about that. And uh, uh, my friend had shared a story that she knew someone that was was in a meeting, I think, probably the day after. And she said, typically, when President Trump comes into these meetings to talk with uh, different leaders, he listens to each of them and he pays attention to them. But he came in that morning and he was mad. He said, can you believe what they're doing? And uh, he is standing for life, we have to make sure that we stand for life for our most vulnerable ones. And I was talking to a millennial this weekend, and we were talking about that narrative of a mother's or, or a woman's body that a, a woman can do with her body what she wants to do. But uh, this friend of mine said, "Since when does a woman have four feet and four hands?" I thought, "Oh, that's a, that's a pretty good question." So. I take great heart in those two stories. They inspired me regarding President Trump. Uh, Steve, you got your ears on. Do you have a comment? No, I'm just following along. Uh, I am. I always enjoy and respect and actually am very happy to hear stories like that, especially with the president, because of uh, we, we know what the major media outlets are doing, and it's just something that needs to be known. It, it does, and uh, and we want to be honest. On if there's something that we we um, uh, you know disagree with him on, I think that we need to talk about that. But there's so much out there. Everybody knows everything that people disagree with him about. I think that we need to hear these stories underlying every day. He is he's working to reduce regulations, to re- reduce taxes, and those are the things that actually help everyday people and their economic well-being and he stands for freedom he stands for life i like that i like that a lot so i'm i'm inspired by that so let's go into our funnies um hopefully we can still tell blonde jokes i have a lot of friends that are blonde do you think that's okay well now that aoc is on the picture i hear that blondes are telling aoc jokes oh my gosh (laughs) okay well we're gonna jump in here okay there were three people there was a russian an American, and a blonde. And they were talking one day, and the Russian proudly said, 
we were the first ones in space. The American said, well, we were the first ones on the moon. Well, the blonde said, that's nothing. We're going to be the first ones on the sun. And the- that's a little early. There's a little more. Sorry, the drummer was carried away. <laughs> okay. So the rest of the story here. The Russian and the American, they laughed and they said, what are you talking about? You can't go to the sun. It's too hot. You'll burn up. I know where this is going. And the blonde said, we're not that dumb. We're going at night. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay, we're going to jump into the serious headlines here. First of all, uh, let's just run through the headlines, and then we're going to talk about a few of them in the next segment. In the state, first of all, the Hoover Institution, well-respected out of Stanford, has said that Colorado was number one as the best state for job seekers. I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Number two, up in Weld County, um, Commissioner Kirkmeyer has been working on an effort to repeal Senate Bill 181, and of that, that is the oil and gas uh, regulatory bill that basically is going to kick 120,000 jobs out of uh, Colorado. Number three, uh, my good friend Helen Raleigh, she writes for The Federalist, and I would recommend that you check that out. She's written an excellent piece uh, regarding the uh, superior school dist- or the superior school up in Boulder uh, Valley School District, and, and was is teaching six years, six years old six years old about transgender ravens and gender fluidity, and so that's an excellent piece to check out. Uh, there's all kinds of recall efforts ramping up amid all this controversial legislation. I think that we need to be really careful about what we're, where we're spending our time and our money. I understand people are really, really frustrated and angry, and so I think we need to be judicious about which things we're working on recall, and then we need to be focusing on the election in 2020 and the election in 2022. I think we, we need to really be focusing on that as well. And then the fifth state headline is, uh, it looks like snow tires, chains, or all-wheel drive are going to be required on I-70 when it's snowy, uh, but they may be actually working towards requiring them all winter long. And, you know, the one thing, Steve, is we've got a lot of flatlanders that come to Colorado to go skiing. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work out exactly if they're going to require everybody in the mountains. I can understand that, you know, they're trying to, to you know, make it, safer and and uh, you know not have people sliding out but i'm not quite sure how's that going to work out when we have flat uh flatlanders coming here i don't i don't know what do you think well just add that to the list of things that people come to the state unprepared for uh what do we see i mean and some things are beyond their control like altitude sickness and stuff like that but the the practical the common sense things like what you just alluded to the flatlanders Hitting these incredibly high altitude, you know, uh, elevations and these passes without the proper tires, and you know, uh, being someone who has to be on the road with them at the same time, and you know, you 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 draw abreast of them or they draw abreast of you right at the time that they spin out, you know. Okay. Yeah. So are we uh, gonna? I, I guess my question though is, are we gonna stop all of these college kids on spring break coming up here? That great question. I mean, mm. I, I don't quite understand how that's gonna work you exactly. Know, this maybe this is not the time to bring this up, but you know, you've already finished it. I just started it yesterday. I got four chapters done in Laura Carno's book, "Government Ruins Almost Everything," and great ideas that just go askew right off, right from the get go. 
how are you going to enforce something like that? Yeah, I'm not really sure how you're going to do that. So anyway, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Speaking of that, I did finish Laura Carno's book. All of you, the um, the free promotion is over now. If you didn't sign up, you missed out. But all of you that have gotten that free book, make sure that you go uh, to Amazon and or Goodreads and put your uh, your review of the book there. That was the only deal, is if you got the free book, you need to make sure that you read it as quickly as possible and get that uh, review there. And I need to get mine done today, so I will do that. We're going to go to break here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, I want to uh, let you know, Vino and Veritas, uh, we've got the one going in Centennial. There's the one down in Castle Rock. And we hope to have the one up in northern Colorado. Uh, uh, hopefully in May we're going to get that going. This is a study of the Federalist Papers. If you are interested in information about that, go to americhicks.com forward slash Vino. Fill out the form. We'll let you know about that. Uh, One of our presenting sponsors for Vino and Veritas, it was in February, Susan Kochevar. She is the owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater. Springs here because she opened last Friday. And it's a fun evening. Underneath the stars, I, I hear that she has the best popcorn in town. Currently showing a Shazam. It's a movie about a streetwise 14-year-old foster kid who can turn into a superhero. And then the second feature will be Captain Marvel. And then the last feature of the evening is Isn't It Romantic? So for more information, check out 88drivein.net. That's 88drivein.net. And um, then last night, Virginia won the NCAA championship uh, in overtime. Uh, The NHL playoffs start tomorrow. Go Avs, and the Nuggets are in the playoffs, and Rockies baseball is underway. Hooters Restaurants, I mean, there's so much going on, but Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. It's the place to watch all the games. Wednesday is wing day. They have these delicious smoked wings. Uh, They're half the calories. The girls love them. And uh, so you can actually have Hooters wings delivered. You can stop by, pick them up, and take them home. Or, of course... You can go over to the the restaurant and watch the game. So for more information for their specials, go to HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the Americhicks. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk about some more headlines. And then in segments three and four, we're going to talk about this mandatory vaccination uh, piece of legislation. It is House Bill 1312 here in Colorado. We've got a couple of moms that they are all over it. And so this is Kim Munson with the Americhicks. We'll be right back. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. 
Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, dissecting issues, news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. We're going to have an important conversation in segments three and four regarding this mandatory vaccination legislation that's Uh, working its way very quickly through uh, the Colorado State Legislature. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. We do a a weekly newsletter uh, to let you know what's going on. And then if there's any important events, we're going to have a really important announcement, I think, on Friday. We're working out the details on that. So be sure and go ahead to go to americhicks.com and uh, sign up. I think it's americhicks.com forward slash Kim, and you can sign up. That's the easy way to get there. A couple of things. This this hit a nerve, these tires, this tire thing, it hit a nerve. One of our uh, listeners texted me and said that the Flatlanders will demand that we level the mountains so that they're happy. So, and then you mentioned, Steve, something during the break. Think about if you start to have people uh, getting stopped at the border and not having the right tires, and uh, they turn around and go home instead of going to the mountains and skiing. What do you think is going to happen? It's only a matter of time. You know, it, let's say they, they found a way to enforce this. And, yes, they, you know, they, they, they're, they're tracking the results, and they're, they're turning away hundreds. How long before the ski industry uh, you know, gets involved and say, wait a minute, you're costing us money here. Well, you, you, you will. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about spring break. You know, all these kids from colleges all over the nation, they, they pile in their car. They don't have money um, unless they take out a student loan to buy the tires to, you know, get these tires. They, they get turned around. I mean, it, it'll start to affect the, the ski resorts for sure. Well, in Laura's book, she talks about how a good idea can go astray. And granted, the traction issue is an issue. It's, it's, it's life-threatening, and when there's a major pileup up there uh, in the mountains, it's a big deal. And certainly government would be called in to say, hey, can you get a handle on this? But then again, now you're going to impact revenue in some degree or another in terms of those guests coming to the state. And watch it go, watch it go astray. Well, you know, the other th- thing is, is, is we do have personal responsibility. People should try to make sure that they are traveling safely. If they know that they're coming to the mountains, you know, hopefully they're going to plan ahead on that instead of government getting into that. And then just call me crazy, but, you know, could the, the tire manufacturers, could they, you know, you get somebody to come out and demand that, that or you make it mandatory that you have, you know, do a certain thing. It could be these vaccinations. I've been thinking about that. What about the, the people that are creating these vaccinations? You get government to come in and say, you have to do this. And then it creates business for these different businesses. We need to, you know, I think we need to be careful about that, Steve. Well, don't steal your thunder for segments three and four. Okay, I won't do that. Okay, couple of other on the national. Patty is just all over this. She said, these minimum wage hikes are triggering a payroll tsunami uh, as small businesses cut back. And in the piece that she put here, and many of you may remember that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said that she had worked at a coffee shop uh, in, I think, uh, Midtown Manhattan. And the coffee shop is closing. And so she dropped by to say hi. 
But the coffee shop said there were a couple of reasons why, and one of them was because of the mandatory minimum wage. And we've had Susan Kochevar on uh, several times. Uh, she's not only the owner of the 88 Drive-In Theater, but you know she's, she understands small business. And so when you put in a $15 minimum wage, that doesn't just increase the employer's cost by the minimum wage. That means then you have higher Social Security uh, costs. You have si- higher Medicare costs. These taxes go up. And it starts to get to a point where it squeezes these small businesses. And uh, she had, uh, let me see, Patty had put on here that, um, hold on here. Uh, it was right here. I, oh, I'm not finding it. But basically the, the job losses are going to be so significant in both uh, California, Illinois, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and New York who've all approved the $15 minimum wage. And, of course, we've got things going on here in Colorado. I can't remember where we're at right now, but it's bumping up. And uh, in essence, that, that uh, you're going to see biz- small businesses close because of that. Oh, here we go. The American Action Forum predicts the move could cost the state. This would be uh, Maryland, 94,600 jobs. That's quite a few. Again, a good idea that has gone astray. And then government gets in the middle of it, makes it mandatory. And did it take a rocket science to figure out that these government or these businesses would be hard pressed? Because Patty also mentioned that the health care premium hikes and, and well, other right. costs of being an employer to have employees. Right. And, and uh, so in, in essence, it, it'll put them out of business. And so then what do you do? Then you've got these uh, politicians, bureaucrats saying, oh, we'll have job training. or And, and that, that takes tax resources. And if you're closing businesses, they're the ones that generate the taxes. Government doesn't create anything. It just takes money and redistributes around. Uh, let's go to the last headline that she had. She said, Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And this was in Forbes uh, earlier this month by Sally Pipes. And Sally says nearly a quarter of a million British patients have been waiting more than six months to receive planned medical treatment from the National Health Service, according to a recent report from the Royal College of Surgeons. More than 36,000 have been in treatment queues for nine months or more. Now, as the baby boomers are getting older, I mean, I know a lot of people that are getting new shoulders and new hips and new knees, and that's expensive to get that done, and and we're blessed. I mean, it's amazing to me what medicine is doing, but as we move, if we would move to a a national health care system, it doesn't work, and so you're starting to see decisions will be made, who gets service, who doesn't, who has to wait, And, uh, and so... Once again, as we go to Laura's book, government ruins nearly everything. The free market can fix this. Government is making it really frustrating for people regarding health care. They're making it more expensive. They're making, uh, making it more complicated. And then they want to come in and be the answer. And the answer, when you really get to it with government-run health care, is that people are going to have to wait and there will be somebody that's making decisions regarding winners and losers on that. So we've got a couple more minutes here. I wanted to just talk a little bit about this, uh, these Colorado economic numbers regarding um, that Colorado is a good place to come to for a job. Now, this is looking at history over the last five or ten years. And uh, Colorado has had a, an economic development department 
uh, which is uh, something that I think falls under the governor's office. And then you see all of these uh, towns and counties have economic development as well. When I was on city council, what I realized is that, in essence, government on the local level, the county level, the state level, they, they talk about we want to bring jobs here. Uh, but when we bring jobs here, we bring people here. And that starts to uh, stretch resources. It starts to create congestion. It starts to create uh, a stress on uh, we're going to need more money for education. And so when we talk about just job creation, there's a, ho- a whole lot of other things that go into that. And uh, the jobs that are being created in uh, Colorado right now, they said, are administrative jobs and sales jobs. And um, I submit to you that it's not government's role to pick winners and losers. It's not government's role to try to create jobs. What government's role is, is to stay limited and to stay out of it and let the free market, let people go out and create their job, you know, create their businesses, create their jobs. But then, uh, you know, you add in this um, forced minimum wage, you add in what is happening in Colorado, and that's more rules and regulations and higher taxes, all they're, they're calling those fees. Those things are going to start to, we're going to start to see that ripple through our economy. And uh, one other thing, there's a, there's a real assault on Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, which as Governor Hickenlooper is, is out touting his presidential bid, he's, he's trying to hold Colorado up as a, a, a great economic success, which we have been. And one of the reasons is, is because Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, has said to government, if you want to raise our taxes or if you want to keep excess revenue above a very generous formula of inflation and population, you just have to ask us. And we're seeing a nonpartisan effort to try to get rid of that. And uh, so we need to be vigilant and make sure that we keep things in place that have kept Colorado uh, doing well. And uh, we're at a we're at a very important time in our state and in our country. And speaking of that, um, thrilled to have on the line with me Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management. Uh, we were talking about Patty, how much research she does, Jason. And it's amazing to me the amount of research that you put into our conversations. Tomorrow we're going to get to have you on uh, for the whole show. You're going to guest host with me, and we're going to talk about uh, things a little bit more in depth. But the, the work that you put together here regarding the economy uh, you know, things have been pretty good since November 2016, and Obama likes to say it's because of him. Uh, what do you think? Well, I think it would certainly be uh, one heck of a coincidence that the <laughs> stock market exploded higher on the day that Trump got elected, and that's because Obama's policies finally just kicked in on that exact day. Yeah, after eight years. No, I think that what the market was saying is we have a guy who's talking about reducing regulations, reducing taxes. And uh, so I think uh, Trump's election had something to do with it. You've got a chart that you sent me, and it looks like it went up in 2009 pretty well, but then it just kind of stopped in late 2014. What happened? Well, I think what happened was the Fed stopped giving the market welfare checks, for lack of a better way to put it, Kim. I mean, if we look at a timeline, you know, Obama got elected in November of 08. Uh, by the way, the market still dropped 34% from the time he got elected until we hit the bottom in March of 09. So I've heard a lot of people say, well, the market just went straight up under Obama. That's not correct. But between, uh, 
the time he got elected, the first thing that happened was the Fed cut the interest rates from 1% to zero. That was in December of 08. And then from 08 up until late 2014, uh, the Fed injected about $4.5 trillion into the banks and the financial markets. Uh, that was our QE1, QE2, mm-hmm. QE Infinity, mm-hmm. which is quantitative easing. Um, so the Obama presidency basically had less than 0% interest rates. Massive money poured into the banks and the markets, and only one interest rate hike uh, that finally came in December of 2015, a giant increase from 0% to 0.25%. Wow. So I can see why you like market charts so much, because that really tells the story in black and white. The Fed stopped pumping money in late 2014, and the market pretty much just uh, went sideways for a couple of years. Well, it did, but uh, the day after Trump was elected, the market shot higher, and it just kept going. In fact, the S&P gained about 45% before it even stopped for a breather. But what about economic performance? The, the economy was in big trouble when Obama came in. Was he responsible for the recovery? Well, I think, uh, you know, the thing is, Kim, is uh, the market would have bounced anyway if Obama uh, didn't come in, it's not like it wouldn't have went to zero. So uh, he had the benefit of uh, very low starting points with the market. Uh, a lot of the gains we saw were just a reversion to the norm. Uh, he started from a really low point, and again, he had the Fed at his back, all kinds of tailwinds, and he still managed only very anemic growth. Uh, If you look, the unemployment rate when Obama got elected was 6.7%. When he left, it was 4.7%, so it did come down some, but 4.7% is not below the average. So I don't see where uh, he did a whole bunch. His policies weren't helpful. I mean, raising taxes, adding regulations, uh, you know, crushing health care prices, Uh, everything else, none of those are things that stimulate growth. So I think, again, it really was just the Fed that helped them out. Well, and, you know, I think a lot of those jobs, there were government jobs, and then there were jobs that were dependent on government money. And uh, so I think that I think it's important that people understand that. It seemed, though, that that, like you you, you mentioned, that Obama had the wind at his back, but it seems like President Trump, he's fighting a hurricane right now. Well, he is. Uh, And again, you know, if you think about kind of the economy and the market, it it was like a huge boulder rolling down one side of a valley and then up the other in a U-shape. Obama jumped on right when the boulder was swinging off the bottom with huge momentum. And it was like he had 10 guys pushing it uh, behind to help get it near the top. You know, Trump had to jump on right when the rock was about to roll back down. Now you got those same 10 guys pushing back against him in a way. And he not only got it over the peak, but he propelled that thing right up into the sky. And when you think about what Trump's been up against, I mean, he's had eight rate hikes from the time he got elected until now. 
So he didn't have, uh, yeah. uh, you know, he didn't have tailwinds. He had headwinds. Uh, but by cutting taxes and doing things that actually help the economy, he created uh, tailwinds where there should have been headwinds. Well, and then also the rhetoric. Uh, you know, we had the words of hope and change, but yet that uh, Obama said that this is the new norm, you know, less than 2% GDP growth. And then Trump comes in and he says, uh, you know, he ha- he does seem he has hope and he's talking about being a great cheerleader for America. And we were actually looking at uh, possible 4% GDP growth before the Democrats took over the House this last time. So the rhetoric, you know, just the rhetoric out there is, is this the new norm or, you know, are we going to go out there and really, you know, be a cheerleader for America? So this has really been a, a, a really interesting uh, conversation about this. And, you know, if people would like to see you, uh, you've got a big flag in your offices. You've got uh, this really cool flag. You've got constitutions. And I know that uh, you'd love to have a conversation with folks about how your love for America and also you can help them with uh, their economic well-being. Well, that's right, Kim, and I appreciate I know this one went a little bit long, so uh, thanks for the extra time today. Well, I, I know that people really enjoy that. So for more information, go to chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. The phone number over there is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. And then, Jason, you're going to be in studio tomorrow to guest host with me, so we'll be looking forward to it. Okay, thanks, Kim. Have a great show. Okay, thanks so much. We're going to go to break. Uh, We did go a little long on this, and this is really an important conversation that we're going to have regarding the mandatory vaccinations. We've got a couple of moms that they are concerned about it. It's House Bill 19. 1312. We're going to go to break. We'll be when we come back. We'll talk with Pam Long and Heather Ladenpera, and uh, you won't want to miss this conversation. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, dissecting issues, news, politics, politics and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website and, ch- and sign up for my emails. And I'm the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Be sure and like and follow me. I am thrilled to have on the line with me two moms who care deeply about ch- our children, as I do. And that is Heather Laudenpera and uh, Pam Long. Heather, am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Yes, you are. Yay. All right. Okay, good. Heather and Pam, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you on the line. Uh, let's, uh, let, let's set this up just a little bit. Um, Pam, how about you? Let's go to you first. Uh, this is a, a piece of legislation that was introduced last Thursday 
uh, down at the State House. It is House Bill 19, and I would recommend that people go read all these things instead of just listening to the talking heads on this. Read this. This is, uh, I don't know, it's about 10 pages long. It's, uh, but it's House Bill 19. That's uh, this year, 2019. HB originated out of the House, and the number is 1312. You are concerned about this, Pam Long. Tell me why. Yes, I am. First of all, I'm a, I'm an Army veteran, and I'm also a mom. And I have a kiddo who had a has a severe lifelong reaction to a vaccine. So I'm a very critical consumer of every each and one of those 72 doses on the schedule in 2019. So, what's going on with this bill? So, if you as a parent decide to give your child all 72 doses on the current CDC schedule, nothing changed for you. Um, But if you use a personal belief exemption or a religious exemption for any of those 72 doses, you are now in a different class of citizens under this bill. There's three main components. The first one is that CEPAT, the health department, will be creating a new form. And this form tried, they attempted this to create this statewide form back in uh, 2016 under House Bill 1164. And this bill failed due to massive parental backlash. And the problem was this form included compelled speech, saying that the parent was putting the child at risk and the public at risk, and a massive data mining effort of personal uh, identifying information into a registry. And when you hear registry, I I need you to know that any, any registry is designed to harass, coerce, and intimidate a person from their personal medical choices. And what they call these under the CIS, which is the Colorado Immunization Information System, is reminder, recall, home visits, which includes CPS coming to your home and asking you if you'd like to reconsider. Yes, so reminder, recall, home visits is serious things that are designed to harass and coerce and intimidate a parent who has made a very difficult decision to exempt from any one of these vaccines. The second component of this bill is the creation of educational materials in what we call re-education. The parent has decided one vaccine has more risk than benefit, and the state says you must receive this educational module from your doctor or the state that is benefit only, and it even says that in the bill, only benefits. There's no risk information as per the manufacturer product information sheet, which has a lengthy list of contraindications. But the third new component, when that failed back in 2014 as well in the House Bill 1288, again, parental backlash. Um, And now we have a new component, which is deeply disturbing to both children and adults, that this new controversy is with medical exemptions. CDPHE, not your doctor, will be the new dictator of what qualifies for a medical exemption. And they will be using the ACIB, which is, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, um, very narrow criteria that states that you had to have had a previous anaphylactic reaction or a severe immune-compromised individual. Well, there's actually a lengthy list of contraindications to vaccination under our screening sheets that doctors use. So we're, we're really interfering with the patient-doctor relationship in, in, in dismissing things that are contraindications, such as asthma, allergies, seizures, metabolic disease, none of those will qualify for medical exemption. Okay. Wow, Pam. Uh, I read the bill last night, and there were things that I, they were, it was like raising a flag to me, but 
but I thought I need to ask you ladies about this. But one of the things, at least that I saw in here, Pam, was that if a parent wanted to request an exemption, that they had to do it in person. And this is on page seven. The bill's about 10, 10 pages long. But what it says here is that if um, the certificate of a religious or personal belief exemption on a standardized form developed by the Department of Public Health and Environment and submit the certificate of a religious or personal belief exemption in person to the Department of Public Health and Environment or the applicable county, district, or municipal health agency, that makes it pretty daunting for people to try to get an exemption, I think. I, I, that seemed important to me. What do you think, Pam? Well, it's definitely a barrier. You're, you're, you know, if you come from the Western Slope or our rural areas and you have to drive in to the, you know, Denver in person to say, Mother, may I please ex- execute a lawful exemption? They're going to use, other states have used that to, um, that at that time you would be asked to watch some type of educational video on all the benefits of vaccines. And what will be shown at that time are pictures of kids from third world countries who do not have sanitation. They are dying of malnutrition. And you will be told your child has the same risk, so you must get every vaccine on the schedule. So that's that when you make a parent come into the central state health department, it's so that they can be forced to watch a very one-sided video with all the benefits and a lot of fear mongering um, uh, to coerce the choice to be yes. Okay. And um, I'm just going to make a comment here on this. And that is uh, that you just mentioned third world countries and the the rhetoric is not matching up with the policies. When you look at the players, uh, from what I can tell, there's only one Republican, and that is Senator Priola is on the Senate. He's one of the Senate sponsors. But from what I can tell, uh, there's no other, quote unquote, bipartisan uh, support of this. And so I'm, I'm trying to match up the rhetoric and the policies as we look at the big picture. So, you know, many of these folks are, are pushing that Colorado be a sanctuary state, that Denver be a sanctuary city for illegals that are coming across the border. And, and you mentioned third world countries. We're, we're starting to see an increase in mumps. Uh, some, uh, in fact, in these detention centers, there's a, a number of cases of mumps. So the question that's coming to me is, is we have these folks that say we are going to make mandatory vaccinations. And uh, Heather, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, I want you to address th- this. And that is from what I can read, this bureau that you mentioned, Pam, I, uh, the, like the immune, what is it called? The immunization board. They can actually, yes. yeah. They can actually increase. They they can mandate other vaccinations as well that we don't even know about yet. So here we they're saying we want to protect our kids. We're going to do this mandatory vaccination, and and I vaccinated my kids. I think it's important. And Heather, you and I are going to talk about free riders as well. But yet there seems to be no problem about bringing all these these uh, people across the border that don't have vaccinations. It's like the narratives just aren't matching up to me. Uh, but we're not going to talk about the border right now. I just had to make that point. But, Heather, uh, we're going to go to break because I want to hear what you have to say. We've, we've talked several times, and I know that this is heavy on your heart regarding these mandatory vaccinations. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about free riders, and that is everybody – but maybe just a small percentage of parents get their kids vaccinated. You know, a lot of people th- say that that doesn't seem fair. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. 
Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Uh, I am thrilled to have on the line with me Heather Ladenpera, or Ladenpera and Pam Long. Uh, they're moms. They're, they're all over. They're watching this House Bill 191312, the mandatory vaccinations. And uh, Pam, thank you so much for explaining this whole new thing. Uh, you know, I... I um, vaccinated my kids. You know, there were the basics, the MMR, the measles, mumps, and rubella, DPT, let's see, that's diphtheria, diphtheria uh, pertussis, I think, and tetanus, I think. You know, so there were, and then polio. There were those basics. But you mentioned there's now 72 doses. And uh, uh, there's all kinds of things that they're recommending vaccinations for. And, and uh, Heather, I want to talk about the free riders, but I know that one of the things that you're concerned about is the safety of these vaccinations. Some of these things haven't been tested yet for that long. That's right. And so I think it's important to put this in context, Kim. So when you were, when your kids were young, there were a total of 11 shots. When we talk about doses or shots, doses are the different diseases, and then the shots are the actual shots. So I'm going to talk about the shots. There were 11 actual shots by the time your child graduated high school on the recommended schedule. Now, we have 53 shots on the recommended schedule. Why did that happen? That happened because in, 19, in the 1970s and 80s, there were many children being harmed by different vaccines, but specifically the DTP vaccine. My brother was actually permanently brain damaged from the DPT vaccine, and he died at 21. So never walked or talked. A lot of parents realized what was happening to their children. They started suing the pharmaceutical companies. The pharmaceutical companies said to the government, we're going to stop manufacturing vaccines because it's too expensive for us because we have so many lawsuits. So in 1986, the government passed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. And what this act did is it took away the liability from the pharmaceutical companies. So they no longer have any liability for the vaccines that they test. They have no incentive to do safety testing. And if a child or an adult is harmed by a vaccine, the pharmaceutical companies no longer have to go to court. You can no longer sue a pharmaceutical company. They don't have to pay. Who pays is we, the taxpayers. Every time, you buy, every time you buy a vaccination, there's a portion of that vaccination that goes to what's called the Vaccine Injury Court. That's a federal court. It's presided over by one person who makes a decision if your injury claim is valid or not. And so we have the government defending vaccines. We also, the, the act also put the Health and Human Services in charge of the safety of vaccines. 
there was a recent lawsuit by an organization called ICANN. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is part of that and a man named Del Bigtree. And they sued HHS for information on this National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act and how they had done their job since it. They were supposed to do, uh, every two years, submit a report to Congress on the state of vaccine safety. And through this lawsuit, it was found that they have never once done that. Since 1986, over 30 years, they have ignored their job of reporting on vaccine safety. The government doesn't have an incentive to do safety testing. The pharmaceutical companies don't have an incentive to do safety testing. And vaccines are categorized not as drugs. They are categorized as biologics. And that's a remnant from the CDC is actually a, a military branch, and when vaccines were first being developed, they wanted a way to fast-track them in case they needed to be used in a case of biological warfare or, or similar such thing. So vaccines don't go through the lengthy trials that drugs do. Drugs go through trials that are years long. They have control groups that have a true placebo, meaning that one group gets the drug, the other group gets an inert pill, a sugar pill, something that will do absolutely nothing. Uh, vaccines are not tested that way. Often the testing period is days, the reaction period, and it's not tested against a true placebo. That's a little complicated for me to explain. I can if you want, but the placebo that they give with, with the, in most of these vaccine trials is the vaccine minus the um, virus or bacteria. So all of the other ingredients are given as the placebo. That's not a true placebo. A true placebo would be a saline injection. And so they're comparing reactions between the vaccine and then the vaccine just minus those ingredients. So it's not a true trial. They've never tested this schedule for cumulative effects, and they've never tested it for drug interactions. So when your child, many children go in and they get eight shots at once. It's never been tested for drug interactions. So I'm passionate about this because I used exemptions for my children so that I could do one at a time, never have to get more than in one visit. And that means that they, the schedule for my kids was very delayed. And um, But you were able to work with your doctor on that. This was yes. something that you sat down and talked with your doctor about. Yes. And, and I, I'm pro-vaccination. I, I, I think, you know, I mean, we eradicated basically polio because of that. So I think vaccinations are very important. But I, as Stephen mentioned in Laura Carno's book, Government Ruins Near, Nearly Everything, you can take a good idea and you start adding in mandatory, which starts to, what I hear you're saying, once, once you say mandatory, you no longer have your free market where, where people are saying, now, wait a minute, I want to make sure that this is safe for my kids. I want to be assured that, you know, we've done the testing. And, and when you introduce mandatory and then this unelected board, that can make the decisions and force what goes into your kids. Yes. To me, that's the kind of stuff that says danger, danger, danger. Um, Pam, which, right. which one of you would like to, I'd, I'd like to address this question, though, of free riders. I have a lot of folks that say, you know, I, I get my kids vaccinated. Um, you know, there's that 5% out there that's not going to. I mean, people are, are I, the kind, they're like, I don't want those kids in my kid's school because, you know, they might be bringing something in. How would you address that? Which one of you would like to take that question, Pam or Heather? Pam, why don't you take that? 
Well, you know, I have a child who has a reaction to a vaccine, and he, now he has a lifelong disability. And I would tell that parent, you know, if 2.6% of families are using exemptions, um, and they've always been among us. Um, and, we're, and I would say nearly 100% of adults are not getting their booster shots every 10 years. So they are also unvaccinated and living among us and working among us in public places, the park, the grocery store, the community pool, and there's there's no risk. There's no outbreak. You know, measles, this whole measles hype, measles is endemic. Measles is always going to be with us, multiple strains. We only vaccinate against one strain, and oftentimes there's vaccine failure involved. You can read and the CDC will tell you that their own website that many times in in these alleged outbreaks where there's a few cases, anywhere up to 600 cases a year is normal. And sometimes vaccine failure is involved where the people were vaccinated and they still have measles. Um, and I would say also that it's to tell a parent that, you know, I'm taking advantage and have some benefit by not vaccinating my child, then inherently you are, you are telling me there is a risk you are willing to take and there's a risk I am not willing to take is what you're really saying. Okay, ladies, this has been fascinating, and uh, we're just about out of time on on this. But, uh, you know, I do believe in vaccinations, but I, I think that we need to be able to hold, you know, hold those decisions accountable. It makes us better. And when you add in this mandatory and take away the ability for the parent and the patient to talk with the doctor, that's not where we, we need to be. We need to, to continue to work to make sure that our vaccinations are safe. We want to protect our kids. And the narratives just aren't matching up with the people that are pushing mandatory vaccination with all the other policies that we're doing. Now, ladies, I think this is going to be in committee tomorrow. Last time uh, something like this was in, in committee, there were tons of people that showed up. What are you asking people to do right now? Uh, Heather or Pam, which one do you want to take? Heather, you want to take that? Sure. Um, We're asking people who believe in the choice of for your children to decide what health decisions you make for them and eventually for yourself, because if this starts happening for children, it's going to start happening for adults as well. And I believe it's my choice to decide what is injected into my body, what is injected into my child's body at what schedule is appropriate for me or my child. In any medical procedure, I believe in informed consent and choice. And if there are parents or individuals out there who also believe in that, then they should show up at the Capitol tomorrow at 1.30 to um, the Health and Insurance Committee to voice their opinion on this. Um, this is we'll be there really... All night. Yeah. <laughs> you probably will. Come yeah. anytime. <laughs> bring, bring a lunch, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and I've been down to, to testify, and, and um, it, it is important. If you can't make it, certainly reach out to the members of the that particular committee. Uh, and, you know, just you mentioned something, you know, the, the, whole, uh, the whole abortion uh, movement says, uh, my body, my decision, my choice. Uh, but yet these are the same folks that are saying, no, not here. We're going to have mandatory. So, you know, their narratives just don't match up. No. Uh, ladies, I, I really appreciate this conversation. I think that we should probably have another one because uh, yes. I, I, I think we need to do that. So we'll get There's you a lot more information. There's Kim. a <laughs> lot more information out there. And I've had a number of moms that have reached out to me on this. So 
Heather Laudenpera, thank you so much. Pam Long, thanks so much. Keep me informed on what's happening tomorrow, okay? Just text me and let me know what's going on. We will. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Our quote for today, Ronald Reagan, he said, Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. And our positive thought, you know, today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. And I-